Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special in-season bonus episode, host George Templeton looks at the state of the program and interviews experts about all things VCU basketball. And now, here's George. All right, this is a very special episode, Rams Rewind, that we're about to do here. First and foremost, if you like what you hear, and you want to help us out, shoot us some dinero. There is a link to the PayPal in the description of Podbean and your other podcast platforms. We appreciate all the support you gave us last year, and we thank you for all the support you've given us this year so far. Now, this is a very special guest that we have here again. He is currently, is, he has been for now nearly 15 years, if you can believe it, the play-by-play voice of the VCU Rams in men's basketball, in addition to working in business development. Before that, and I can't wait to ask him about this. He was the play-by-play voice at the Citadel for football and basketball. And that's a very unique experience. In addition to being account executive and a general manager, and interest, also very interesting, he was part of a UVA baseball team that went to the tournament and, if, I, if memory serves, went to a regional final. And this is not in the days when UVA had all the funding and all this other stuff and they were always great. This is when it was a big deal to win the ACC, get to the tournament, and almost get to the College World Series. He is Robbie Robinson, and he's taking a taking time with us today before VCU plays Boise State, and we are so glad to have you here. Welcome to Rams Rewind. Thank you for joining us. George, it is awesome to be here. I don't think this is a special broadcast. I'm no more special than any of your other great guests you have here. But man, thank you. That was a a really humbling introduction. It's uh, awesome. Always, awesome to be sitting here with you at this uh, at this. I point. always love to give the big build up. I I, uh, I pattern it after John McLaughlin when, when you do the one on one and you <laughs> go through somebody's resume. That's what I like to do. So we're very glad to have you, and it is special because being the play by play voice of a college, of a of a of a university is a very special thing because usually, of course, we don't have football, but it's usually in multiple sports, and so you are a part of people's lives for seven, eight months a year. And that's what's really great. And and I'm going to set this up by sharing what a wonderful part of my life you've been since I've been able to regularly listen. Last year, the game at Rhode Island, and yes, I know you, you may be embarrassed to talk about it, but we have to because it was so wonderful. I wasn't listening to you live because I was watching on ESPN Plus, as I do. But when that happened, when Zeb Jackson hit that shot, I was, somebody get that clip as soon as possible because I wanted to hear the call. And it was so perfect because I'm homesick. Struggling at a new job. I've got COVID. So I'm watching this game. I've been looking forward to this game all day. I haven't left that. I haven't left my apartment, been looking forward to this game all day. It's two hours of utter misery, to be perfectly honest, because VCU struggles. But you get that payoff. And of course, listening to ESPN Plus, they had the Rhode Island announcers, and they were flat as attack, which I enjoyed. But I enjoyed it more when I heard your call because it was just so perfect. How you and Rodney sell, Rodney asked me color commentators how I felt I was jumping around the room I was screaming was coughing it was unbelievable I know you have to prepare for anything as a play-by-play announcer including a buzzer beater but buzzer beaters are rare just tell me about 
you know, how you're approaching them, how you're thinking that as you get to those last seconds of a game and something like that happens. Uh, well, George, I think you put it perfectly. You have to be ready for it. And I think in your mind, you're asking yourself, you know, make sure you stay calm. Make sure you call the action. Don't get too emotional about it. You know, make sure that because the listener, you could be the listener's lifeline. You're watching on ESPN Plus. Most people are watching on TV. I know that, but there could be the guy that's driving home from work, and I am his only. I'm his only voice, and so more than anything, you want to get the detail right, and then you obviously want to portray the excitement that the the shot has, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, Zeb came down. He took that shot from the right elbow. It was right in front of us. I mean, where our radio position was, like, I had a full on look at it. As soon as it left his hands, I'm thinking, that's got a chance to go in, and sure enough, it hits bottom, and, and you want to react accordingly. You want to react like the fans react. You don't want to go crazy. You don't want people to wonder what's going on or if you're passed out or whatever, but you want to give that excitement, and that's what we tried to do, and I think it was the first buzzer beater the Rams had had since Jamie Skeen hit one in the A10, or the uh, CAA tournament way back in 2011. We don't get a whole lot of them. We've had a couple go against us. Uh, George Mason hit one like two years later, if you remember. Yes. From the right kid hit one for like three quarter court. Uh, Tennessee hit one in the, kind of what we're playing in here, a Florida tournament. Uh, we haven't had a whole lot of had a whole lot of wins, but not a whole lot of buzzer beaters. It was really neat. It was awesome to have that, and, and I was really thrilled for Zeb. And I appreciate you telling me that that you got a lot out of it because you want that. You want people to to feel the emotion. That's what I want, George. I want people to 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 understand that I'm just I'm in it with them and. And that I'm just as excited as they are. The only difference is, is I have to continue to kind of be a professional broadcaster and tell them what happened and hopefully paint that picture for that person that's driving in their car. And that's the only, I am their eyes and they get to see it through what I say. To, to finish with that clip before we get on to the other stuff, I've watched the video of that shot probably 75, 80 times. And I've listened to that clip probably at least 20, 25 times on the BCU Unlimited app, which you all should have on your sure. phone. And you're talking about the guy driving home from work you were right when I was driving the blue van and I couldn't watch the games live because I was working. That was you and that was Rodney. And so I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, the, the years that that was the case, it was two years that I was doing that. And then the other jobs I've had where I've been listening to VCU while I've been working, which I had to do a couple times this year too. So I feel that very much. The other thing I like about you is that you've had a variety of different partners that you've worked with doing baseball and basketball. You know, Mike Litos, Rodney Ashby, and when you're doing baseball with Robert Fisher, I think Joe Deck sometimes. I do sometimes with Joe, yep. It seems just absolutely natural. It seems like you were just sitting there with a friend, having a nice time. That's a very underrated skill for a play-by-play announcer because most play-by-play announcers kind of get married to one person, and that's their person that they do the games with. But you've got a variety of partners, and it just, it just seems that the broadcast just seems to be smooth no matter what. Well, I think that's my personality. And George... You spend so much time with, like, you know, you're on the road with them. Rodney and I drive. I mean, we've driven to Dayton together. We've had to share a hotel room together uh, because we got stuck in Atlanta one night. I mean, Mike Lito's the same thing. Mike and I have had road trip after road trip. Uh, Mike Ellis before him. Mm -hmm. I worked on the same hallway as Mike Ellis. And, you know, I did games with Mike, I think, for, if I'm not mistaken, four years. And so, you know, we, you get to have that relationship with the, with the, color analyst and it's really important to me to have a strong relationship with that person it'd be very difficult for me to do it if they didn't become really close with me not just not just working partners but really close personal friends and and i feel that way with rodney i felt that way about with mike ellis i feel that way with mike Litos. um one of my best friends ever was my color analyst down in charleston where i did the citadel games uh his name's glenn and i mean glenn's like a brother to me and so yeah i i 
I I just can't imagine doing this job and sitting down to call a game and not having a really close relationship with the guy that's putting the headsets on next to you. And Rodney fits that bill perfectly, as did Lido and Ellis. And that's why the the broadcasts are great, and so many people listen. Now I'm gonna we're gonna go back to the beginning. Okay. So you you play baseball at UVA. You graduate from UVA. When did you know broadcasting was for you? Oh, I knew broadcasting when I was four years old. Holy mac! Yeah, I was growing up in Atlanta. And that's what I wanted to do. I love the Braves, and I still love the Braves. And the Braves are my the Braves are my first love, really. And I'd listen to them on TBS, or I guess from time to time, listen to them on the radio. And I wanted to be a broadcaster since, again, since I was like four, living in Atlanta. Uh, I went to a junior high that had a closed circuit television station, and I got on the local or the the closed circuit news in the morning as a seventh grader. I was a sports guy, and you know, then obviously the baseball thing really worked out for me. And went to UVA, who doesn't have a communication school. They don't have a broadcasting school. They don't have a journalism school. They have nothing like the resources VCU has for kids that want to go into doing what we do. And I got really fortunate because I locked on with a guy that worked for a local radio station. Uh, his name was Mike Waddell. He was a sideline guy for UVA football. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Mike, yes. Mike did UVA women's basketball for a long time. And he did some of our baseball games. And on a road trip down to Clemson, I said, hey, man, how do you get into what you do because I've always wanted to do it and he totally took me under his wing and let me do some if you go back and listen in 19 I guess it'd be 95 uh, I was doing reports from the tailgate uh, parking lot in Scott Stadium and was doing scores in the postgame show for Mike and that was how I got my start so you know from there I went and did UVA women's basketball as the color analyst first another guy uh, who was the play-by-play guy he was ended up being at my wedding um, again, that's kind of where the start of the, the relationship with the uh, partner went. And then he left. I did UVA women's basketball for a year. And then I got a chance to move out to Arizona State and do Arizona State women's basketball and put together their football and basketball radio network. I didn't do the game, so I did their football. I did their women's basketball, hosted their pregame and postgame football show. And then uh, after one year there, I got an opportunity to go to the Citadel. And that was kind of the next step to do to go from women's basketball to Pac-10 school or Pac-12 school to doing football and men's basketball at the Citadel. And I did that for eight years and then got an opportunity to come to VCU. So that's kind of the quick background of it. But a long, a long answer to your question that I've, I've really, I mean, George, this is my dream job. I'm not necessarily VCU, but being the play-by-play voice of a team. And, you know, I always figured I'd probably go back to UVA and do it or go to a big school and do it. But man, I've just found such a great home in Richmond. And I'm not sure there's another job out there other than maybe the Braves play-by-play guy. I, <laughs> Braves called me and said, hey, we want you to do a 162 Braves game. I'd be like, oh, I can maybe squeeze that in between VCU basketball. But um, for real, George, like this is, I, you, when you're talking to me, you're talking to someone that's truly living the dream that he had when he was four years old in the backyard of his gr- home growing up, calling play-by-play, throwing a baseball up and trying to knock a wiffle ball over a fence and calling the action you know, like he was you know, like he was the play-by-play voice of the Braves. The Citadel. Yeah. That is an interesting Ooh, job. Isn't it? Because- Military academy yeah. are a wholly different world. Sure, college athletics and 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 not even I mean not not even just army and navy and air force because they're actually in the military. Plenty of people that go to the Citadel and VMI yeah. end up in the military, end up putting their lives on the line for the country. Yep. What was it like dealing with those student athletes? What was it like dealing with the administration? Because again, you're also dealing with commandants and people in the military 25, 30 years and are you know real straight up and down and not going to brook a lot of, you know, not going to brook a lot of foolishness or craziness or whatever. How was, how was that environment 
what was that environment like? And was it a bit of a culture shock coming to VCU <laughs> after that? Um, that's a good question. That's well put. Uh, it was definitely, you know, it was unique uh, for sure. And gosh, those student athletes, you cared for them so much because not, it's just a different kind of love and respect you have because you know what they go through. I mean, if anybody that lives in Virginia, if you had a high school graduate with you or somebody you worked with that went to VMI, you know what it goes through. It's not easy. It's not for everybody. The whole, you know, you give us four years, we'll give you 40. And I mean, those kids would come into the interviews that we'd have once a week because we had more, you know, we would have a big, long pregame show because it's football. So you're interacting with them a little bit more on a weekly basis. And gosh, I mean, they were, they would be exhausted and they would, but they, they just had these huge hearts and obviously the discipline was there and, uh, and they were obviously intelligent. I mean, they're smart kids. You can't go down there and, and be successful without having some intelligence. So they're mm-hmm. fun to, they're fun to talk to. Um, was it a culture shock? You know, I wouldn't go as far to say that. Uh, I wasn't in, you know, it wasn't like I was really in the minutia of the details of the military school. I would, I'd parachute in, interview some kids. Mm-hmm. Then on Saturday, parachute in, call the games. So, you know, as long as I kept my nose clean and didn't say anything dumb, which I would not want to do, okay. I didn't necessarily have to deal with the Brigadier General or the, like you said, the Commandant, other than just stories and like, you know, they would they would lose a game and all of a sudden their orders would be shrunk because they lost to like Western Carolina. So sophomores have to be in at 11 o'clock and juniors at midnight and seniors at or fourth class at 1 a.m. And you're like, gosh, it stinks for these football players to just put their hearts out on the line and they lose and they're going to catch all kinds of heck when they get back to the barracks because they lost because everybody got an hour and a half shaved off their curfew. It was just, was, I mean, that part, you never get used to that part. Then they win, like, they don't even win over Furman. They're like, oh, you can have overnights. And like, oh, you're crazy because now everybody can stay overnight because of a result of a football game. And there's these 18 to 22-year-olds who are doing the best they can. And the other 2,000 cadets, their whole freedom for the, with their girlfriends is riding on whether we can convert on a fourth and one at the inside the five. And it just, it was it was peculiar to say the least, but it was what it was. And you know, that job, the, the under, what people don't realize about that job at the time was our athletic director was a guy named Les Robinson. And Les Robinson was the head football, head basketball coach in North Carolina State yes. for many years, uh, then became the AD in North Carolina State for many years. And Les and I got to the Citadel at the same time in 2000, like literally the summer of 2000, we both came. And what was really interesting is Les had a son named Robbie. So everybody thought I was Les Robinson's son because my name was Robbie Robinson. They, <laughs> They learned quickly that that was not the case, but because Les knew so many athletic directors across the country, he got us all kinds of phenomenal, you know, those games that when VMI or, you know, it used to be JMU, not anymore, obviously, they would go and play, you know, Florida or Alabama and you get a half a million dollar paycheck, you get your brains beat in. We would do at least one and sometimes two of those every year. So I've called and I tell people this, they, they, they can't really grasp it sometimes. I, I've called college football games, like real college football games at LSU, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, Auburn, uh, Maryland, Pitt in the where where you know the old Hyde's Field or whatever. Yeah, I mean at least one a year, and sometimes and those were unbelievable experiences to go and get to call. I mean, I got to call a game at LSU at night, like a real college football game, and it was just, I mean. And the best was we were playing Wisconsin and um, playing great. And we scored a touchdown at the end of the first half to tie it like at 23. We were just playing out of our minds. And Wisconsin was obviously playing poorly. Um, and I was going nuts. It was 
probably one of the highlights that we ended up losing like 46 to 23. We didn't score again. I mean, they, they shut that down pretty quick, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, but those are some really neat experiences that I'm glad I had. Do you miss calling college? No, I don't. I really, that's a good question. Um, I get asked that from time to time. And I honestly, I don't. My life has been so great not having to worry about that on Saturdays um, for a, just a bunch of personal reasons. I've been able to coach my kids' baseball team in the fall. I mean, mm-hmm. football Saturdays for it's anybody, it's it? the whole day, George. I mean, you're there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and you're leaving at 6 at night. And that's if you have like a 2 o'clock game. If you have a 6 o'clock game, you're out of there after midnight. If you have a noon game, you're there at 6. I've really enjoyed not having to do it. was great. But I think I had so many great experiences. Like I was able to kind of check that box. I really, I, it'd be difficult to go back to a football school, I think, and all of a sudden see 12 Saturdays of the fall, which is this most beautiful time of the year. I've never, I've just, I've never sat there and watched a football game and thought, man, I wish I was there calling. Now I'll go to games and like in my little voice, I'll call it just for fun because it is fun. Like it's awesome. And college football, college football is a real thing and it's a ton of fun. I can say that as a VCU guy, but, um, but I don't miss it. No, I really don't. So tell us about coming to VCU because you're replacing a yeah. guy. It was an institution. Sure. Terry Sosinski was an institution. I loved listening yeah. to his calls when I, whenever I did in those days because I spoke as a student afterwards. So you, so how is it that you end up at VCU and end up in the uh, sport leadership program? Yeah. Was, tell us about both of those things. Uh, well, I'll do the second one first. Sport leadership program. I was an employee of VCU. It, like you are able to get a discount on credits. I think actually a free class or two per semester. So I was able to stretch that over like three or four years. So it was not a, I was able to be a distance learning student. I did over four years, didn't cost me a dime. And I've got a, a master's degree from the Center of Sport Leadership, which is just awesome. Like, I mean, that's, that's such a perk uh, and a benefit of going to VCU and being an employee there that you get these classes, uh, one or two credits or one or two classes a semester. So that's how I'm the Center for Sport Leadership. I got here, uh, Kind of got my feet wet, got the job rolling, got things going. After two years, went to Center for Sport Leadership. It was probably three or four years it took me to get through and take all the classes. I got here. Uh, the athletic director at the time was a guy named Norwood Teague. I'd mentioned Arizona State earlier and Charlottesville. Norwood worked at UVA, and I met Norwood there. He moved out to Arizona State and hired me to go work at Arizona State. He was the general manager of the sports property out there. And they needed somebody to build this radio network that knew what they were doing radio-wise. I was 25 years old. I didn't know what in the world I was doing. I mean, I was faking it. Oh, my gosh, George. I was so in over my head out in Phoenix, Arizona, this big market. I was, I look back, it was, I mean, I was in the weeds. Somehow figured it out. I went to the Citadel and then Nord went to North Carolina. got hired at BCU and sent me an email in 2008, the summer of 2008. Nord had wanted me to come to work at VCU for a couple of years. I kept blowing them off. My wife was pregnant. I still felt like I had some things to do, get done in Charleston. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kept blowing them off. And then he sent me an email in 2008 that said, hey, do you want to come handle our corporate sales and do our radio play-by-play? It's one sentence. And I thought to myself, talked to my wife, prayed about it, the whole, the whole thing. And it was like, yeah, this is what we want to do. My son was one. So kind of gotten past that newborn stage. Mm-hmm. And we came up here in 2008. So that was Anthony Grant's last year as Eric Maynard's senior year. So George, you know, you talk about the Citadel. So football was average. I mean, three and eight some years. Have a good year. I think one year we went seven and five. Citadel basketball 
it's almost impossible to recruit. They're on the list. They've never yeah, made yeah. the NCAA tournament, and they were original NCAA then. One of four teams now. Five if you count the one that does have a program. Oh, right, same for Sure, but they'll never get there. Yes. Um, so, or is it? It's less than that. It's four. No, Three. it's five, but they're but they they have a program anymore. William and Mary Citadel, St. Francis of uh, so Brooklyn. Brooklyn. No, no, it was yeah. always Northwestern for a while. Well, that's but right. It was four. You're right. So it's four. Oh, yeah. So there's right. three when you don't count St. Francis, who's a defunct program. Yeah. So Citadel would not win at all on basketball. Like there's one year we were O for the conference, and we won our last game in the conference uh, to go one and thirteen. So I get here. And we've got Eric Maynard. We've got Anthony Grant. I'm in heaven. And I've always loved college basketball. I grew up a college basketball fan. I grew up in Charlotte. So college basketball has been a huge part of my life, George, for a long time. And, oh my gosh, I mean, we're, I, I can still remember it. The, when the teams took the floor in the Coliseum, Mason and us in the championship game in the CAA, and the winner goes to the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, it felt like that heavyweight fight. Like, I've never been to a heavyweight fight. I've never seen any kind of heavyweight fight, but that's what it felt like. Like, it felt like this was a heavyweight fight. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm sitting here. Kyle seems packed. A year ago, I'm calling a, you know, a 13 and 18 basketball team. And now we win. We go to the NCAA tournament. Sure enough, Larry Sanders has a out-of-his-mind game that ended up earning him millions of dollars. Uh, Eric was great, as he always was. We beat Mason, and we go to the tournament. And I get to call an NCAA tournament game for the first time against UCLA and Philadelphia. And we could have won that game too. Like we had a chance to win that game. Yes. We were down, I think, I think we were down two and we had the ball and Eric missed a jumper from the elbow. He couldn't, couldn't uh, produce the dagger again. But um, that being said, it was, it was awesome. Like it was, and, and it kind of took off from there. You know, I mean, the rest is what the last 15 years, I mean, I'd never, I guess I'd never figured that I would be doing it for as long as I have, but I guess somehow over the course of time, it just became, it became something that I didn't want to leave. And that, and, and then I guess that leads me to this question. Can you see yourself doing it forever? Whether it's VCU or anything else, whatever it is. Yeah, I think so. I could be here forever. Why not? I mean, I, I I love Richmond. If I didn't like the city, um, it'd probably be a different story, but it's a great job. It's a great fan base. They get so much support. Uh, they treat me super. The fan, I, you know, and now, now you just now you see people and they know who you are, and that's cool. Like that's fun. Like they, you get into this, George, because you, you kind of want to be a little famous. Like you know, you just yeah. said I'm a ham. You want to be a little famous. You want to be known. I mean, I love calling games. So that's great. And sitting courtside or sitting in the Siegel Center where we are is awesome. But you know, you, I don't want to be you know Taylor Swift famous. But it's fun to be recognized in a Kroger. Well, like just a minute ago, I was at the parking lot in Orlando and I'm pulling my gear on. So I was like, hey, Robbie, and I don't know these people at all. But they're like, we just love listening to you. And that's really neat. So you go somewhere else, you got to start over. I mean, it's taken me 16 years and people barely know who I am. You're on the radio. And you said at the very beginning, you're watching the ESPN broadcast. You're not necessarily listening to it all the time. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm 49. Been doing it for 16 years. I could see myself doing it. At, I mean, we don't know. I mean, they're, they're going to have to kick me out, I think. I, I, I really do. I, I, I don't go after jobs. I don't look at jobs. Uh, UVA opened up a couple years ago when Dave Kane went to Milwaukee to call the Bucks games. It's my alma mater, and I had no interest in it. Didn't sit in a resume. Didn't. I just, I, I had no interest in it and didn't, didn't think of it twice. I mean, I really didn't. This is, 
got to live in Charlottesville. I mean, look, we live in a great city. So and it's a great team. And, and, and there's just so much equity with this fan base and knowledge that I have that I don't have a whole lot of desire to start over. Now, they might get rid of me tomorrow. And if that's, and you know what, if they do, and I thought of who they is, I mean, they is, but like, um, good news. I'm, I'm putting the house's money. Like all the experiences I've had at doing in these last 15 years, like you could tell me tomorrow, like, hey, it's over for you. We got some better guy that's really good and he's better than you and we think he's going to be better. So you're gone, Robbie. I would obviously be bummed in a huge way, but man, the experiences I've had in the last 15 years, all the places we've gone, all the things we've done, I think in terms of enjoyment, I'm, I'm truly playing with Dallas's mic. One of the, the last things I want to ask you about is, and it's got to be the tough part, you spend a lot of time with people that coach this, that they coach VCU. Yeah. And you just listed them. Anthony Grant, Jock Smart, Will Wade, Mike Rhodes, and now Ryan Odom. How tough is that going through a coaching change when, oh. you know, I mean, you talk <laughs> you talk with these guys a lot. You do have to spend a lot of time with them. You're talking to them before every pregame, sometimes postgame too. You know, that's got to be tough to see a coach walk away for whatever reason, whatever it is. You know, how's that, how's that been challenged? Has, has that been a challenge for you? And how has it been dealing with that? Because I imagine that's got to be tough. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's, it's a real, it's a, your emotions are just so kind of going back and forth on it because you know these guys. Fortunately, I've never had to do it in a situation where someone's been relieved of their jobs. They've always gone something better. Mm-hmm. So you can't not be happy for because they're making this huge step professionally, personally, financially, it'd be hypocritical. I mean, all these guys gave themselves, you know, financial situation that would, and also a chance to win at a high level. Um, it's been different for each one. Anthony was my first one, and I can remember watching on something like he's at the airport in all Alabama. You know, he's getting off a plane. Really, he's getting off the plane, and here's Anthony, who you know we all know is just this just great-looking guy, and was just our guy. And there he's at Alabama, and it just was shocking. Like, oh my gosh! Like it's like watching. It's like what I don't know. It's just it was shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt when Shaka went to Texas, it was like you know, man, you've been so great to us, yes. and you've turned down so many jobs. And I can see what you're wanting to do here and go to Texas and what you want to make it into. And again, the financial is what yeah, it is. It's like that was a bummer. Um, but she, but I understood. Will was so quick. I was like, really? Two years? That's it? That's what we got at you? <laughs> Two years? All right. Good luck. Have fun in bad rooms. Um, You know, Mike is different. Mike was, oh, I mean, and again, it goes back. Thrilled for him. Like, come on. I mean, if you like the guy and you know the guy and you're really in his corner, how can you, how can you not be excited for someone? And I've said it, like, Mike gets to coach in the Big Ten. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Like, yes, we have a great program at BCU and it's a ton of fun, but like, I was just, I was talking to Brandon Rozelle yesterday because we were watching the game together and I was like, man, are you guys ready for conference plays? Like, I don't know. Like, you're at Illinois and then you're home against Michigan. Like, oh, we must have an easy game. Nope. You got to go to Indiana. But if you're a competitive guy and you love college basketball, how could that not just be unbelievably motivating to have an opportunity to walk into Michigan State in February in a game that means something and like, I mean, for real, like, especially if they're going to, they're going to reward you financially, um, on the same token of like, whoa, that was a, that I, I didn't necessarily see that one coming. You know, Will, 
you always knew Will was going to be probably a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, you knew sooner or later you'd lose Shaka. Anthony was probably right in the middle. Like, three years was not a long time, but on the same token, you kind of got the sense. I think, you know, I think Mike, by and large, you know, you had a feeling would would hopefully be around for a while. So to answer your question, like, it it doesn't hurt because I think that'd be selfish because of mm-hmm. because of what it does for them and their families. Um, on the same token, you know, you you are you're you're scorned a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just you're just like, gosh, man, we had something going here, and and now you're going to something else, and that's great. But gosh, you know, we had something good here. Yeah, but that's yeah, all of them have. I will say this, like this one. Well, it's a little bit different because um, Mike had been here for six years. I am a little used to, like, I. It's like, hey, this is just this is this is what I. I mean, people are like, man, it's, this is the business. And, yeah, it's like, and, you know, friends and clients and all that. Man, it's been a tough summer. How, how are you handling everything? You're like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, don't, I'm good. Like, I still got my family. I still got my job. The Rams are going to be fine. Like, Shaka left six years ago. And we've been to or eight, nine years ago. And we've been to five NCAA tournaments since then. We're going to be fine. I'm, I don't need to seek therapy because our coach went to the Big Ten. I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool. Like, don't worry about me. And you really shouldn't worry about yourself either. Like, we, we're going to move on as a program. The, yeah. the brand, George, the brand is bigger than an individual. It's grown that way. Yes, it just is. And the resources they get from Ed McLaughlin and the team, um, basketball development center, the fan base, the fan base, the fan base, you are set up to win. It's a plug and play. And the other thing, too, is this. It's like, look, they have gone because they have been successful. We have got to enjoy a lot of success, yes, and they have, they then can capitalize on that opportunity. Like, I don't, you know, would we want to mark few that sticks around here for twenty five years and just never goes anywhere and just hangs banners, just one after another? He's never Mark Few's never mentioned for jobs. I don't know why. I have no idea why that is, or if Mark's just a different guy. But he's unique. The other side of it is like someone's there for 10 years. You go to the tournament once every six or seven years. I mean, I'd rather go to all the tournaments we've been to and deal with five different coaches than possibly the alternative. Final question. Yeah. You and I are of a, are of a similar age group, and we are we are now facing this brand new world in college basketball yeah. with the portal and the name, image, and likeness, and it is... It has been a whirlwind, and it's and I think for some, and I'll admit even myself at times, it's a little unsettling. How is it for you as a broadcaster, seeing this world sort of seeing sort of the wild west of this world, and seeing forty players come in and out? It's so much different than what you're used to, yeah. what I'm used to. Just just your thoughts on on the changing world, and do you think at some point it's going to settle down and be a little more <laughs> rational than it is right now? Because it's not rational to have thousands of players in the transfer portal, in my view. No, um, I do think it's going to settle down. I don't know when. Uh, uh, I think the NIL money will level out to some extent and will become a little less than, I don't know. I, I We're still, there's so much kind of turmoil right now. And I agree. And as, not necessarily as a broadcaster, take the broadcaster side out of it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to learn the guys. I'm going to know the guys. Um, I've become good. I mean, Zeb Jackson's, Great guy, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, Sean Barristow is a sensational guy. I'm good to meet these guys, get to know them. I know who they are, so my the, the, the technique and the X's and O's of play by play doesn't change. But it, we're like you said, we're college basketball fans, and yeah, you just wonder what it's going to look like. It's going to become harder for these coaches at the VCU level to have sustained success. VCU has built its program on you know Ed Nixon not being all that great his freshman year. 
being a little better as sophomore year, making a pretty good jump his junior year, and then his senior year, he's Ed Nixon. Mm -hmm. And Joey and Brandon and uh, Vince. Vince. Vince is another great. Keyshawn Curry? Yes. Like, does Keyshawn Curry transfer to another school after a sophomore year? I sure hope not. Like, I sure hope not, because he ends up being a heck of a player for us and getting to go to the NCAA tournament. Yes. I... I don't know, I, but but you don't know that, and so so it's going to be Coach Odom's got his work cut out for him to 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 get a team that he can mold into being old, you know, and being experienced, which is how that is. Um, in my opinion, to answer your question, yes, I do think it's going to level out. When I do not know transfer portal, I think there's always going to be kids that are going to want to improve what they want in life, and honestly, and I would love I, look, I, it's not great. You know, I but I think they deserve to be able to do it. Yeah, no, I I, I really totally do. Agree with you know, I, they just do. I mean, how can you not let one kid who's a science major transfer to another school? I mean, if you're a science major at ECU and MIT wants to give you a full scholarship, yeah, you, you have to go sit out, like you have to go hang out in an apartment and like wait tables at Boston before you can do that. No, and so I, but I I do think over the course of time there will be enough stories like you know he went there and got lost at the bend, or. He went there and his team stuck and it was a poisonous attitude. And you maybe you won't necessarily want to run away from the happiness that you have at your current school. Uh, if you're unhappy, then you know, maybe you should be allowed to do it, I think. But it's going to make it tough, man. I think I think the Rams will do it. We've got smart coaches and smart people and great resources and a great fan base. So I think we're, we're going to be fine. We'll be successful. It's just going to be harder because you won't be able to, you, know, you might lose that Ed Nixon you know, after a sophomore year, it's like, I'm tired of not, I'm tired of only playing 11 minutes a game. I'm going to transfer to another school. I'm going to get 30 minutes a game as opposed to what happened with those guys. And I just worry about the connection because those players that's been yeah. three and four years are so connected and become part of the program. I think, agree. And I think, I think you'll still have those guys by and large. You know, Zeb Jackson's going to be here next year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, really, I, I mean, Zeb, he'll be for three years. You're really the difference between three and four years. I mean, we're going to love on Zeb Jackson next yes. year at senior night yes. as much as we loved on Vince Williams two years ago. We just are. And I think also you look at a guy like Jason Nelson. Jason's got three more years, this year and two more years. He's yeah. going to be here for three years. Roosevelt Wheeler's going to be here for three years. I think Fats is going to be here for four years. Mm -hmm. So I think like you, it goes back to what you said, George. It is going to work out. It's going to. I think it's going to level off. But you just got to be strategic on who you bring in, and and you got to hope that these transfers come in and make your program better. That's the two. Um, you know who's going to be a Brandon Johns mm -hmm. who immediately makes you great. Yes. Who's going to be? I don't know. Name somebody else. I'm not going to point somebody out, yeah, but yeah. You know, someone that did not necessarily come in and make any kind of um, yeah. help. This has been great, Bobby. Oh, I thank you, thank you, George, so much absolutely. for joining us here at Rams Rewind here. at Rams Rewind, we believe in shameless self-promotion. Yeah. Anything you want to plug, oh, you know, Twitter and Facebook, social media, anything else you want to plug, go ahead. This is your moment to it. Oh, my gosh. No, I um. Well, first of all, keep listening to these guys at Ram Re Rams Rewind because you guys are awesome, and thank you for doing that. Um, you know, you can just follow me on Twitter at RobbieVCU and subscribe to our Rams Unlimited podcasting page because I dump a lot of stuff in there. Uh, Coach Odom's uh, interviews before and after the game we put there. Uh, we'll put highlights there and come to games, buy tickets, get your friends to come to games and like take some of these great ticket deals that we have out there and bring your whole neighborhood to come you know, get the Seagull Center back rocking. Not that it doesn't rock on a game-by-game -game basis, but it's better when 7,700 people are in there. And to finish, we're going to play the clip. All right. Zeb Jackson, Robbie Robinson, Rodney Ashey, BCU at Rhode Island, because it was perfect. You got to do
do something miraculous, Rodney, is the Rams have 4.2 seconds remaining. Rhode Island's going to defend in the backcourt. Driver, Johns, Jackson, Baldwin, and Watkins with VCU down by one. Driver to inbound. Driver looks, gives it up to Zeb Jackson. Jackson with three, with two. Jackson for the win on its way. Bullseye! Bullseye! He won it! The Rams win! Rams win! Rams win! Zeb Jackson, bucket maker! They're going to look at it, but boys, that was in by a long shot, and VCU is going to win this one. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.